welcome to Top Stories of the Week, presented by Girl on the Gov, the podcast. This exclusive bonus episode drops on Tuesdays and gives you the 411 on the need to know political news and tea. So, as always, we'll keep you updated. Welcome back to Top Stories of the Week. We unfortunately have a very Trump heavy episode today. Yes, ma'am. But fortunately, it does include him in legal hot water, which you know we love to talk about here at Girl in the Guff. We do. But like, seriously, you're so right. This dude just can't keep his name out of our mouths. Like, I wish that we could be like, forget him, say, you know, this is a topic of the past, a man that's past his moment. (laughs) But like, no, it's like literally... I know I've made this reference before and I always get the animal wrong, but like, I think it's like pop goes the weasel. Like, what is it that you're like trying to always? Oh, um, whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole. I don't know why mm-hmm. I always think it's a weasel. Yeah, it just keeps popping up. I mean, the man yeah. is running for president again. Which, so again, I forget as well. Yeah. But as some of you may know, may have seen Donald Trump really the <laughs> We'll get into the story, but like the most shocking part is that he's the one that's like announcing his potential arrest. And hilarious. I mean, it really just feeds into him being a narcissist too, because it's like he knows it's happening, and so he's like he he has to be the one to say it and the one to be right about it, and so he's it's just like a whole comms PR moment for him. And, and he has to be like literally like he looks at anything that has his name in it as an accomplishment. He's like, oh, you're talking about me. No, they're obsessed Let with me. Let me talk about you. Or, oh, my God. Let me talk about me more. Yeah. No, yeah. it just he eats it up. He just thinks that you know everyone's obsessed with him and they just need to come after him at every moment instead of being like, no, like you literally gave hush money to women. You did. You did that. So fair. So like I was thinking about this a little bit this morning. There is just something so inherently American about there being a scandal with a politician and a porn star. Mm. Like totally. There is just I I mean, has that even happened before? Like an actual porn star? I know there's been, you know, but um, but it is like. I will, you know where I get that from? And it's not even like a specific situation. It's like... I feel like it's more like culture around it and like from movies and stuff. Yeah. Like what is that like movie? Fuck. I've never even seen it, but it's like the all-American road trip? No. I have no idea. Okay. Never mind. It does make me think of the campaign with Will Ferrell and I thought I could never, never say his name. Right. We're doing <laughs> the guy from The Hangover, <laughs> but I guess we can just get in, get into the yeah, story, we're, get we're into, going in circles. <laughs> get into these top stories of the week, kicking it off with a Trump indictment, a potential Trump indictment. We are recording this on Monday. It could come today. It could come tomorrow. It could never come technically, but we'll see. And Trump announced last week, again, you might have seen it, calling for protests and all the things. And we'll also kind of cover whatever comes out from this in our intro for tomorrow's episode for you all. But here's what we know at this moment right now when we're recording. 
Former President Donald Trump calls for protests ahead of his anticipated indictment in New York, and it's generated mostly muted reactions from his supporters, with even some of his most ardent loyalists dismissing the idea as a waste of time or a law enforcement trap. The ambivalence raises questions about whether Trump, though a leading Republican contender in the 2024 presidential race, who retains a devoted following, still has the power to mobilize far-right supporters the way he did more than two years ago before the January 6th insurrection on our government and told followers to protest. There were a few signs his appeal had inspired support his supporters to organize and rally around an event like January 6th. So, in fact, a prominent organizer of rallies that preceded the Capitol riot posted on Twitter that he intended to remain on the sidelines. So Ali Alexander, who was an organizer of the Stop the Steal movement, staged rallies to promote Trump's baseless claims that the Democrats stole the 2020 election from him, warned Trump supporters that they would be, quote, jailed or worse if they protested in New York City. Quote, you have no liberty or rights there, he tweeted. <laughs> what? One of Alexander's okay. allies in the Stop the Steal campaign was conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, who amplified the election fraud claims on his Infowars show. Alexander posted that he had spoken to Jones and, and said that neither of them would be protesting this time around. We both got enough going on fighting the government, Alexander wrote. No billionaires covering our bills. A grand jury is investigating hush money payments to women who alleged sexual encounters with Trump. Prosecutors have not said when their work might conclude or when charges could come. House Republicans on Monday wrote to Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg seeking documents related to his inquiry, which they called, quote, an unprecedented abuse of prosecutorial authority. <laughs> that one's a real tongue twister. Well, that's a big one. The conflicted feelings over how far to support Trump in his fight against prosecution extends into the political realm, including among fellow Republicans seen as likely opponents in the 2024 race. His own vice president, Mike Pence, who's expected to challenge Trump for the Republican nomination, which is honestly news to me. I didn't really realize that he was making that move. I Okay, so here's the thing. Like, always known he's had presidential aspirations, for yeah. sure, obviously. But, like, I viewed it as a not a 24 situation but as a yeah. i can't do math whatever four years is from like 28. 28 yeah maybe like once the trump ghost has officially gone away mike pence you might be able is? to rebrand i don't even think it's so much that i think it's like he wants his own well i guess this is kind of what you're saying but just like in different words of like he wants his own clean yeah. space exactly and like so that or that's how i perceived yeah his vibe but i guess not yeah. Or at least well, one of these people. I he hasn't announced yet, so we'll see, but he I guess is expected. But Mike Pence castigated Trump in an NB sorry, an ABC news interview this weekend as quote reckless. Wait, he, excuse me, he what? Castigated? Wait, what? Is that a word? It sounds like it's oh, like cast Yeah, castrated. Castrate. Mm-hmm. Yep. That would be an interesting okay. castigated not to be confused with castrated. Very, um, very key. <laughs> anyways, he went on ABC News interview this weekend as reckless for his actions on January 6th and said history would hold him accountable, even as he echoed the former president's rhetoric that an indictment would be a, quote, politically charged prosecution. So, Mike Pence, which, where are you at on this? Really, the way they have to, like, walk this line, like, it's just hilarious to watch. What I always also find so funny with Mike Pence is he tries to be like, oh, like, and people also give this to him, too. 
like save the day by doing the right thing on January 6th, which it's like so much of the time I'm like, I cannot believe we're like giving people trophies for like doing the bare minimum. It's kind of like <laughs> the bar is like the, the, the bars, the bars in the basement. The bars, yeah. Honestly, it's in the well, like water. It's like that low. Mm-hmm. But like, it's funny because, again, he like walks that line like you're saying, like, oh, well, like, see, like, I'm above like the Trumpian stuff because I decided to like, you know, do the right thing on January 6th, a.k.a. like fulfill your like legal obligations as vice president. <laughs> and then at the same time, then he doubles down on shit like this and is like, oh, no, definitely don't castrate Trump. I'll suck his dick, please. <laughs> Ew. But sorry. <laughs> No, I know. and But I think they literally all have to do this. Like, they all yeah, are so wishy-washy these days because they don't know which way to go. They, this Republican Party is still very lost as to what is in the future for them and totally. how to appeal to the Trump base, but also get the Republican Party back on track. So and it's just not hilarious to, to watch across the board. To play balance beam here. But, like, Dems do this, too. Like, any... Any sort of like political party, like they both a lot of times will like do this like back and forth wishy-washy thing. Like this is particularly in our face right now. But like, let's be real. Like both plus this is a bipartisan yeah, matter. Wishy-washy. But I don't think I think the Trump presidency yeah, is level. so unprecedented. So it's like this party is lost <laughs> and has been lost. Unprecedented president. See. Anyway, so Pence said, I have no doubt that President Trump knows how to take care of himself, and he will, but that doesn't make it right to have a politically charged prosecution of a former president of the United States of America. Um, okay. Anyways, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, mm. an expected GOP presidential candidate, criticized the Trump investigation on Monday as politically motivated, but also threw one of his first jabs at the former president in a move likely to intensify their simmering political rivalry. DeSantis said, I don't know what what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to secure silence over some kind of alleged affair. I can't speak to that, DeSantis said at a news conference in Panama City. (laughs) But he added, what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction and he chooses to go back many, many years ago to try and use something about a porn star hush money payments, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And I think that's fundamentally wrong. I will say that was that's the most that's an argument that would make sense to me. Is it correct? I don't know. Not as versed on the DA of New York and the current state of crime and you know how he's performing in in that office. But right. It does but make think- sense. You're like there's literally like raging crime potentially and we're going after this. But at the same time, you can also say this is the former president of the United States. He's running again. And just like holding someone of that power and of that stature accountable is is very important. Yeah. And obviously, day-to-day crime is also very important. But like this man has the potential to be president again and clearly has criminal activity in his past and has never been held accountable for it. So to I think an argument back would be this is very important. This is holding those in power accountable for their actions. And it's often not done enough. Totally. And this is the highest office of the land this man sat in. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting for sure. And as far as like his base and their reactions, apparently 
I guess the threat isn't as aggressive as they thought last week when Trump put this on Truth Social and called for protests. But I would not, I guess I wouldn't speak too soon until it actually happens. And given that nobody really knew that the insurrection could happen, like there is probably plenty of ways something could be in the works right now that we don't know about or they're playing some tricks or something. Yeah, I think it's like a classic like plan for the worst and hope for the best scenario. I agree. I also just think it's like you have to hold people accountable. Like you might be you might have been the president of the United States, but you committed a crime. And like there's no doubt that this is also politically motivated. Let's be really fucking let's be real. It's this is, you know, a very political office. Alvin Bragg is, again, very fully backed by the George Soros of the world and big Dem donors. And to say that this isn't politically motivated in some way would be just a lie. I don't think anyone should ever deny that because, again, it's president of the United States. It has to be political regardless. And there's also probably been so many elected officials at every level in the past who have done some shit like this or have done corrupt shit that haven't been held accountable. So I get like the frustration on the other side. But at the same time, it's like he did do this. If they have the evidence to arrest him, then they should, because that's just accountability at the end of the day. Whether this investigation was politically motivated is, I think, very clear. But at the end of the day, like the evidence is there. And if they have the means to arrest him, then they should, because he clearly committed the crime then. Like, it's just, what are you going to do? So I don't know. It's all very interesting. I'm very interested to see what happens. And again, we will keep everyone updated and talk about it more too in our our intro tomorrow as things drop. Also, a preventative crime measure, really. Like, keeping him accountable. As he runs for office again. Yeah. Putting him potentially back in the highest office of the land, the implications of that and the crime that could ensue from that. Just. Yeah. I mean, again, if the crime is there, then the crime is there, whether it was politically motivated or not, is kind of out of the question. If if there's a crime, there's a crime, you know. Right. But it's definitely politically motivated. Well, now we but he also Georgia. committed a crime. <laughs> So, and yeah, back to more potential crimes that Trump and his team have committed. Let's go to Georgia. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you work in the political space, listen up. Here at Girl on the Gov, we have built our whole business around effectively marketing political messaging through digital media. And we want to help you do the same. We have a full digital media consulting menu these days tailored specifically to the political space. Number one, hashtag viral. It is our paid social media newsletter that comes straight to your inbox every Tuesday. If you've ever thought uh, this meeting could have been an email, this newsletter is for you. We give basics to best practices, platform updates, and the content ideas you need to go hashtag viral. And for offering number two, if you want some one-on-one face-to-face attention, we offer that too. We provide social media audits and consulting to help you achieve the conversions and engagement you've been hoping for from your social media content. 
And number three, in our newest edition, Podcast Consulting, we are the minds behind this gorgeous political podcast for young voters that we've been running for two and a half years now. So we know a thing or two about how not only to get a podcast off the ground, but how to grow an audience. We provide podcast consulting for anyone trying to get their podcast started or provide podcast audits for those who have started their pod but want to see it take off. Podcasting is a great new in-house digital media marketing tool and a great way for any candidate elected or org to amplify their work and their voice. So head to girlonthegov.com slash consulting to learn more about our services and to sign up for hashtag viral to start slaying the beast that is digital media. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feed is flooded with customized this and personalized that, all promising to fix my split ends and my dry skin and all of the things. But when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. And your formula literally couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of pros custom hair care and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals, and they get personal. Pros covers everything from diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They even asked me about, you know, where I live, the water hardiness that I have coming from my shower, UV index, all of the things. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing premixed, nothing off the shelf. And I know from experience, one-of-a-kind formulas equal one-in-a-million results. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed that my hair is definitely fuller. I have thinner hair that just like will not hold a curl or stay voluminous. And ever since using pros, that has changed. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash girlandgov. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash G-I-R-L-A-N-D-G-O-V for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash girlandgov. The guy can't, I mean, what a schedule he leads. Former President Trump is moving to quash. That's been the word in the headline, in every single headline about this. It was like, quash. Are they okay? It's squash. Squash. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just get a quick definition. Yeah, wait, can we like, please? Like, is it? I'm just curious. Last night. How it compares to squash. Quash, reject or void, especially. It's a legal term. Oh, okay. It's a real thing. Which I was wondering if it was just like they, everyone had the typo. And then, you know, how like some like articles, like especially if it's on AP and then it gets syndicated out. I was like, oh, maybe. I did see on ABC.com last night, I was reading some article and you know how like they always get those little like ad pop-ups, but sometimes it's like also like segments of their own stuff. And they misspelled UBS and said it was USB. So it was Credit Suisse purchased by usb and i was like 
just dying. I was like, at first I was like, is this my dyslexia speak? Like, did I read that wrong? And then I was like, no, no, no. USB did not buy Credit Suisse UPS. So anyways, we're all human. We all make typos, probably need more than others. But regardless, it's mm. quash. Quash, quash. It kind of sounds like quaff as well. You know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, Trump is moving to quash a Georgia investigation into his efforts to influence the outcome of the 2020 election, seeking to bar the use of any evidence presented to a grand jury reviewing the matter. In a 50-page filing in a Fulton County court, Trump's attorney blasted the investigation as confusing, flawed, and at times blatantly unconstitutional. The Monday filing seeks to block use of a report from a grand jury on the matter, bar Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Wills' involvement in the case, and attack a series of interviews given by forewoman Emily Coors. Given the scrutiny and the gravity of the investigation and those individuals involved, namely the movement, movement, <laughs> legal jargon day, wow, Donald J. Trump, just in case you were wondering what his middle initial was, this process should have been handled correctly, fairly, and with deference to the law and the highest ethical standards, attorneys Jennifer Little, Drew Feinling, and Marissa Goldberg wrote in the filing. The effort from Trump follows the close of a months-long Georgia investigation with more than a dozen notified targets, including former Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani and others who met to discuss a plot to craft a false slate of electors to certify his victory in a state he lost to President Biden. In a hearing where Willis sought to block the release of the grand jury report and its synopsis of charging recommendations, the DA noted charging decisions in the case are imminent. The argument from Trump seems to challenge the grand jury process in its entirety, saying the statutes, statutes, we found a typo, ladies and gentlemen, we found a typo and it was not us, saying the statutes creating them are too vague to be constitutional. His attorneys also argue that such process should only be used for civil rather than criminal matters. In doing so, the attorneys partially quote from an order from Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney calling the grand jury process Imbalance, in, oh my God, imbalanced, incomplete, and one-sided. But in the order, McBurney noted that the grand juries are entirely appropriately a one-sided exploration. That does not mean that the DA's investigative process was flawed or improper or in any way unconstitutional. Willis's office did not immediately respond to requests for comment. The filing goes on to request that Willis be disqualified from leading the investigation, noting that McBurney previously barred her from investigating Lieutenant Governor Boat Jones as part of the broader probe into the fake electors, because Willis hosted a fundraiser for his challenger in the Lieutenant Governor's race. Trump's attorneys argue Willis' conflict with Jones extended the entire investigation, not just one witnesses, and complains that he will effectively have been preemptively severed so violent, preemptively severed out of prosecution. Jones is one of the few politicians who was able to successfully dodge any involvement in the probe when turning to the courts for assistance. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp was ordered to testify in the probe, as was Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Beef it up just for clarity, because I know we're in Georgia. This is, this whole thing has been confusing from the get-go, TBH. And there are just so many players and characters and things that are confusing, I feel like, for no reason. And it really reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen, but there's... This one TikToker that breaks down, like, creates webs on a whiteboard of different celebs in Hollywood, like, their connections. And she'll, like, do one, like, for the Kardashians, then connect with, like, Ty oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Like, they're so freaking good and they're so funny. And it's also, they're wild. Like, mm-hmm. everyone 
is connected. The incest is wild. <laughs> it's rampant. Like, I... Like, there's nothing like incest in... I mean, just the Rob, the Rob Kardashian, Black oh China, Tyga, Kylie situation is so weird. Like, brother and sister are date. We're dating two exes. Each other's exes. Yeah. Kylie's boyfriend's ex is her brother's girlfriend. Baby mama. Crazy. Crazy. Like, between them and the royals, love an incest moment. <laughs> love to share <laughs> and care. Like, really mm-hmm. keep it in the fam. But anyways, the complications or the webs that she explains and draws, I feel like this is the type of thing at this point that needs it, which I feel like is just part of it. It's like making it so confusing that no one can really wrap their head around it. You know, like I think. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a confusing legal process that like seems like it's just never ending. But again, just I think going to be one of those running stories. Again, this is one of one of the like six, five or six different like just legal troubles for Trump. Some are criminal, some are civil. But yeah, I, I, it just is never ending. It's just never ending. But moving forward out of Trumplandia and back to our current That president. is exactly the zip code we were just in. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting out of that zip code, heading, heading over to to the White House because President Biden on Monday issued his first veto since taking office, rejecting a bill that would have reversed a Labor Department rule on environmental, social, and governance ESG investing. I just vetoed my first bill, Biden said in a tweet announcing the move. <laughs> this bill would risk your retirement savings by making it illegal to consider risks, risk factors. Ma- MAGA House Republicans don't like your plan manager should be able to protect your hard-earned savings, whether Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene likes it or not, he added, throwing shade. Referring to the Republican congresswoman from Georgia. The Biden administration had pre- previously issued a rule stating that money managers can weigh climate change and other ESG factors when they make decisions for retirement investments on behalf of clients. It replaced a rule from the era of former President Trump that the Biden administration said discouraged consideration of ESG factors, quote, even in cases where it is in the financial interest of plans to take such considerations into account. The GOP-controlled House has had passed the bill to undo the Biden rule, and the Senate voted Wednesday to send the bill to Biden's desk in a 50 to 46 vote. Two Senate Democrats, Joe Manchin and John Tester, joined Republicans in opposing the Biden administration policy, saying they felt it was a case of government overreach that would impose a policy agenda on Americans' retirement accounts. The White House had previously said Biden would veto legislation, the legislation if it passed in Congress, in a statement of administration policy, the White House noted the rule was not a mandate, but it is intended to ensure retirement plan managers recognize that factors related to ESG can be relevant in analyzing investment decisions. The president vetoed the bill because it jeopardizes the hard-earned savings, life savings of cops, firefighters, teachers, and other workers, all in service of an extreme MAGA Republican ideology. White House spokesperson Robin Patterson said in a statement that really sounds like Robert Pat. Mm-hmm. Pat- is it Patterson? I feel like it is. Right? Or the Pattinson. Thing. Oh. It's literally like reversed. Robert Pattinson, Robin Patterson. Is it Pattinson? Now I have to check. 
Robert that is hurting my Pattinson. Wait, that's actually really funny. They're just like deviations of na- of their names. I said, no, I do not find him hot. I don't really either. Never got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, sorry, everyone. Hot take. Yeah, hot take. I mean, I wasn't really into either like Jacob that much either. And Taylor Lautner really bothers me now. He oh, he's just really cringy to me personally. I don't know like his personality at all. Like I've I've never like followed him as like a celeb. Me neither. Aesthetics wise, like he is my type to a T. Like the tan, just oh. like his face, like. He's definitely yeah, my type aesthetically. But again, I have no wonder. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen even an interview by him. No, you mm-hmm. always like. He, him and his girlfriend, who's also his wife, his her name is also Taylor. So they're both Taylor Lautner and they're married. And they went That's on funny. the morning toast or the toast. And I just, I didn't watch the episode. I just like saw clips on Instagram and I was just like, yeah. the way he speaks, he's just like a little cringy. I'm sorry, everyone I, I, who is team Jacob anymore, and team but... Edward. I will. And now I'm curious just for ed- like edification. Now I Do I love the Twilight Saga? One thousand percent. Did I ever did I ever love the boys? No, not really. It's fair. Anyways, <laughs> Congress is unlikely to be able to override Biden's veto as it would require support of two thirds of both chambers. The legislation and Biden's subsequent veto is part of a larger debate over ESG investing. Opposition to the practice has become a point of emphasis for many conservatives who view it as part of a broader, quote, woke agenda among Democrats that infringes on Americans' rights to make their own decisions. This veto by President Biden goes directly against the interests of the American people and once again creates an illegitimate loophole for companies like BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard to exploit to put politics over profits with American pension dollars, said Will Hild, executive director of Consumers Research, a group that has led opposition to policies. Quote, it is disappointing to see this administration use hardworking Americans' retirement to further progressive politics rather than ensure Americans are financially secure, Hild said. Supporters of ESG investment say that following these principles allows people to make money, have a positive impact on the world around them, and avoid some financial risk caused by climate change. Banks, investment firms, and money managers also say consumer demand for ESG investment offerings grew steadily over the past few years. See, I, and maybe I'm missing something here. To me, I just don't understand why the overreach is the Republicans trying to say that you shouldn't be able to control yourself individually through your money managers, like your investments. Yeah. Like why Why are they trying to decide whether or not you want your money manager, oh my God, your money manager to focus on investments that are related to social causes or avoid climate change impacts? Like to me, yeah. their decision-making, them trying to be like, no, 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 you can't prioritize. You can't make your own choices on your, like, on your financial future through investments. Like, that to me is government overreach. Right. I also, like, I think the connection to me, again, I feel like this is one of those topics where I need to do a lot deeper of reading. And maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but I really don't feel like I am. Is that the amount of companies that are spilling money into these Republicans' pockets that are impacted by people pulling their money from them in their investment and putting it into companies 
that are more sustainably focused or have better climate policies, like that connection cannot be lost here. Right. So it says the bill, this bill would risk your retirement savings by making it illegal to consider risk factors. MAGA House Republicans don't like that's what Biden said. So that's, again, the climate change of it all. Your plan manager should be able to protect your hard earned saving. So it's reversing a Labor Department rule on environmental, social and governance investing. So my question is, are they looking at some of like, for example, say you were you had investment in BP or Exxon. And therefore, those shares are, I don't want to say inflated, but they're high. Mm-hmm. And then you have your money manager. You're like, okay, well, I want to invest it in something that is, again, more climate forward. And then they're taking those highly priced shares or valuable shares, and they're then selling them to then buy something else. Is that risk of buying something else that's not as stable? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's like they also said, so the White House noted the rule was not a mandate, but it is intended to ensure retirement plan managers recognize that factors related to ESG can be relevant in analyzing investment decisions. Yeah. So if it's like literally basically the scenario of like you are able to take these factors into account, that is goddamn ridiculous Republicans. Yeah. Right. And and why is that like... once in a Samantha's, while, Hester tests me. He's he really does. Hester loyalty. He does sometimes. I know. Samantha loves John Tester. I still like his bullet, but sometimes I don't agree with him, which is okay. <laughs> you don't have to agree on everything. No. But, and you know what? Like this, of all the things that we don't agree on, you know, this one's, it's, everything's a priority for the God, for God's sake. But, you know, this, it, it could be something else that we don't. Anyways. Yeah. Biden, Long short. Long story short, Biden is in his villainera still, but this time villaining against the GOP a little bit. I also, also speaking of that, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, speaking of that, keep making noise about the Willow Project. Thank you so much. Amen to that. I also will say that I do think it's like kind of like adorable, like his feet. Like obviously he didn't write it, but like I signed my first veto. Like it's like, is it your first day of school? Like did you get a yeah? Like, your I got my first like, dollar bill of the new business <laughs> that I opened. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, there's something so like it. wholesome about it like when i saw it like pop up on my phone i was like oh <laughs> i know proud of you proud of you yeah there it is yeah i uh, guess that's what happens when you lose power in congress you get true. veto opportunities but it is interesting that he's made it this far and this is his first veto well the i think from the white house the perspective for the first half of this administration so far, they have had the House and the Senate. And so yeah, for that him true. to veto something from that Congress, I would not be a good look given that, you know, for him to stray outside of party lines in that way, just given that it's like both chambers are Democratic, aka basically that's the makeup of, of the American electorate, at least. Now, it's only been a few months since this shift where the House is now Republican-led, but the the Senate is not. So still, like, if it was Republican-Republican, I would see him having way more veto opportunities just this this session so far, even though it's so early. But yeah, I mean, it's I'm I'm even shocked anything's making it through the Senate from the Republican House. So yeah, well, I think that's what's just like 
interesting. I also just, all the noise and the craziness, it is interesting when there are bipartisan things. Like I know this was in our newsletter that went out, what would be yesterday when you guys are listening to this. And it's about having cameras in the courtroom for proceedings with the Supreme Court or at the Supreme Court. And that's a bipartisan bill, which I think is super interesting. It's just like, and look, just because something gets introduced, obviously, does not mean it passes or it gets any other co-sponsors or any of that stuff. But it's just, it's just interesting. It is. And it really makes me think, too, like about even like the filibuster too. some of these things that like really should be bipartisan, like when in 2021, when they were trying to get rid of the filibuster, we were trying to get Chuck Schumer to get rid of the filibuster. Like he didn't want to because then he would be, I think, afraid that when the Republicans take over, they wouldn't have the power of the filibuster. But then like the Republicans and they're in power, they probably would want the filibuster gone too. So it's just like, right. just get rid of it. And then because then that ultimately would be more representative because at the end of the day, if the Republicans control the Senate, that's what the people voted for. So right. that's how it should well, function, unfortunately. Take, like, but- take, it, take advantage of the moment that you have, right? Like, I understand planning for the future and trying to be strategic for the future. But like the Republicans have shown time and time again that they abused the, you know, the rope yeah. that they're given. So like, like what if are we doing? We here? got rid of the filibuster in 2021, like. Voting Rights Act would be passed. Gun legislation would be passed. Like, it's it's just interesting. It um, is. Although see... there is a very good use of the filibuster going on in Nebraska by a state legislature. Oh my God, state legislator that is filibustering anti-trans legislation. So you know, this and that's that's to the point of taking advantage of the moment and actually taking advantage of the tools that are available to you and the filibuster being one of them and she's saying yeah hello gonna use it thank you bye so but at the same time like i just like i just i don't know i don't agree with it regardless i know obviously it's being used right now for something good that i believe in in nebraska but like same time the people of nebraska voted for this majority in their state house and maybe they need to be shook and see that this is what their legislators are voting for in their state. And if it gets passed, then maybe something will shift in the voters and how they vote. But it's like, that's how a representative government would work, unfortunately, in some cases. But I don't know. I filibuster rant for Yeah, filibuster rant. My entire leg just fell asleep and part of my butt cheek. So I just want everyone to suffer in silence with me in this moment. This is the second time that a major limb of mine has fallen asleep in the last 24 hours. And I just find it very rude. Mm. Woke me up this morning at like 4 a.m. Thought my arm had fallen off. Also, side note, did you know that you have a goggle tan? Can you see that? I literally haven't been wearing my goggles, so. I don't don't even see a goggle tan. I definitely got tan, like, in my face. It's, like, very, like, you're tan from, like, here down. Well, that's honestly good because I want my under eyes to be lightened anyways, so. There you go. Anyways, digressing to another topic in the news, Wyoming became the first state to ban abortion pills late last week. Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon signed a bill Friday night prohibiting abortion pills in the state and also allowed a separate measure restricting abortion to become law without his signature. See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the pills are already banned in 13 states with blanket bans on all forms of abortion. 15 states already have limited access to abortion pills. 
The Republican governor's decision comes after the issue of access to abortion pills took center stage this past week in a Texas court. Federal judge there raised questions about a Christian group's efforts to overturn the decades-old U.S. approval of a leading abortion drug, Mif- I still can't pronounce this, Mifepristone. Mifepristone. Oh, I think I got it. I think that's right. Wow. <laughs> Baby steps. Medication abortions became the preferred method for ending pregnancy in the U.S. even before the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the ruling that protected the right to abortion for nearly five decades. A two-pill combination of mifepristone and another drug is the most common form of abortion in the U.S. Wyoming's ban on abortion pills would take effect in July, pending any legal action that would potentially delay that. The implementation date of the sweeping legislation banning all abortions that Gordon allowed to go into law is not specified in the bill. With an earlier ban tied up in court, abortion abortion currently remains legal in the state up to viability, wherein the fetus could survive outside the womb. In a statement, Gordon expressed concern that the latter law, dubbed Life is a Human Right Act, would result in a lawsuit that will delay any resolution to the constitutionality of the abortion ban in Wyoming. He noted that earlier in the day, plaintiffs in an ongoing lawsuit filed a challenge to the new law in the event he did not issue a veto. I believe this question needs to be decided as soon as possible so that the issue of abortion in Wyoming can be finally resolved, and that is best done with the vote of the people, Gordon, a Republican, said in the statement. A person's health, not politics, should guide important medical decisions, including the decision to have an abortion, Serrano said. Of the 15 states that have limited access to the pills, six required in-person physician visit. Those laws could withstand court challenges. States have long had authority over how physicians, pharmacists, and other providers practice medicine. States also set the rules for telemedicine consultations used to prescribe medications. Generally, that means health providers in states with restrictions on abortion pills could face penalties, such as fines or license suspension for trying to send pills through the mail. Women have already been traveling across state lines to places where abortion pill access is easier. That trend is expected to increase. Since the reversal of Roe last June, abortion restrictions have been up to states and the landscape has shifted quickly. 13 states are now enforcing bans on abortion at any point in pregnancy. One more, Georgia bans it once cardiac activity can be detected or at about six weeks gestation, which like who the hell knows they're pregnant in six weeks? Jesus Christ. Courts have put on hold enforcement of abortion bans or deep restrictions in Arizona, Indiana, Montana, Ohio, South Carolina, Utah, and Wyoming. Idaho courts have forced the state to allow abortions during medical emergencies. Which is also just so vague because what what counts as a medical emergency? Like so many of these doctors don't know. And then hours go by as they're working with lawyers Mm -hmm. trying to figure out if they're going to get arrested or not for giving life-saving care. And like we're it's just crazy. We're going to just so many people die. Yeah. I honestly didn't see this for Wyoming, honestly, to be the first at least. I learned something interesting recently, aka over this weekend. That Wyoming actually was the first state to allow women to vote. Fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. The first U.S. territory and state to enfranchise women also became the 27th state in the race to ratification when Wyoming ratified the 19th Amendment January 27, 1920. One year after Wyoming became a territory in 1868, the tiny territorial legislature passed a women's suffrage bill with 13 votes in favor and six against. So. What an interesting thing in the conversation that I found this in, too, was talking about how Wyoming is has often been looked at as like a laboratory of democracy, which personally is not something I grew up doing or studying or being aware of. But 
like, if that's the case, like, I think what's so scary here, and it's something that we've talked about in other entities, and also we talked about with Tippi McCullough, is the fact that, like, a state law that gets put forth is often copied by other states and then is often copied then at the federal level. And so what makes this particularly terrifying is it really creates sort of like the playbook that other states can use. Mm-hmm. Besides Definitely. that, it's terrifying for the people that it impacts imminently in the state. So just... Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a ripple effect, unfortunately. Um, it's very, very disappointing to see and scary to think of what's to come from this. And like we just mentioned, the ripple effects that happen with some of these state laws that get passed in these red states. So unfortunate. Yeah, which, which is, I feel like, two calls to action. One, one is to pay attention to who your state reps are, state mm-hmm. senators, state always, legislatures, always. legislature. Oh, my God, whatever. You get what I'm trying to say. Just state reps. Lord have mercy. The second is that if you live in a quote, quote, blue state, you should also be paying attention to what's happening in red states. Always. Because not only should you just care in general for the people that live in those states as well, because empathy, humanity, you know, those little things. But those laws can also end up in your state. They can impact your state. The abortion laws put into place in a state next door to yours, that's going to impact abortion access and wait times, things like that in your state if it's available there next door. But also, too, what blue legislature, oh my God, legislatures, that's just never going to be Legislators, legislatures. It's always a battle. It's really, it's like toothy to say, you know, it's really, but they need to then also pass laws that counter that, that protect and are proactive. So states like Vermont, for example, are looking to pass a law that would protect doctors in the state for performing reproductive care, aka reproductive health care, stopping them from being able to be sued or lose their medical license for doing so. Like, when you're seeing something bad happen elsewhere, not only is it working to help like them also counter that in their states, but also in your own state. So that's been like mom rant of the day. Thanks, mom. Speaking of honestly, too, where this Wyoming abortion pill ban came from was Texas. And our episode tomorrow is talking all about Texas politics. So I think we should yes. just introduce our guest in that in that vein. We have our friend Uduak Nakanga coming on. She is an expert on all things Texas politics and works in Texas politics. So let's just say she knows a thing or two about this topic. And we not only discuss sort of like the inner workings and specifics around the Texas state legislature like how it works like do they get paid how much do they get paid like things like that and just like interesting interesting fun facts for sure but we talk about why it was so confusing for people that don't live in texas to see what happened in the midterm elections to see Beto not only you know lose again but to see all of these like crooks and criminals kind of rewind their seats and just the confusion around that so she walks us through that she walks us through again sort of the basics of state politics in texas what that looks like and so much more. We have so many like laughs and and good moments and good times. Hashtag and good times. But she no, makes seriously, incredible content. She and does. We talk about all of the the political content things. So yeah. go listen tomorrow. And again, depending on what happens with this Trump situation, we'll also be dissecting that a little bit in the intro. So don't forget to tune in. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Toodaloo. 